All right, Nick, so it's July again, which is a very exciting time because we know that this means that there are new incoming residents to uh, OBGYN. Absolutely. Brand new faces. Welcome to labor and delivery. Welcome to the oncology floor. Welcome to the clinic, wherever you are. We hope that you're getting welcomed into OBGYN, and we want to make sure that you know about a great resource in OBG First and the OBG Core. So the OBG core, as many of your senior residents will tell you, is absolutely free to all residents. So we wanted to make sure that you know about that. And then also, again, you also will get access for free if you are a resident to OBG first, as well as the labor and delivery book from the OBG project. There are tons and tons of great resources through the OBG project. You can find them on their website at obgproject.com. But if you're interested in getting signed up for this premium product of theirs for absolutely free for all four years of residency, head over to our website, creagsovercoffee.com, check out the sidebar, and get signed up today. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creag's. Over coffee. All right, guys. So today we are going to be doing an espresso episode, and we're going to be very quickly talking about respiratory syncytial virus uh, because it's pretty topical right now. Um, So Nick, what are our learning objectives for today? Yeah, so we'll start off by reviewing what exactly respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, is and why preventing it can be critical for newborn and infant healthcare, basically. We'll then discuss some recent innovations you may have heard about in RSV vaccination and a monoclonal antibody. And then finally, we'll understand current recommendations for both the RSV vaccine and the monoclonal antibody as it relates to kind of our care. Um, so Faye, let's jump back. I don't think I've well, I shouldn't lie and say that, I, but I really have not thought, admittedly, a lot about RSV since I was a medical student, I think. Um, so maybe other people are like that too, but let's just bring it back. Medical school, residency, parenthood, what exactly is RSV? Yeah, so like you said, RSV stands for respiratory syncytial virus, and RSV is a negative sense single-stranded RNA virus, and the name comes from the large cells that are known as syncytia that can form when the infected cells in our bodies fuse. Um, And the reason we care about RSV is that, you know, even though in someone like you or me or potentially older children, it just causes a mild cold-like symptom and most people will recover in like one to two weeks, infants and older adults are much more likely to develop severe disease that can require hospitalization. Most of the time, even for infants and older adults, these symptoms are just localized to the upper respiratory tract, so you kind of get some, you know, those like cold-like symptoms, but then it can also lead to lower respiratory tract infections. Um, And most children under the age of two will contract RSV due to some contact with others. And it's actually the most common cause of bronchiolitis and pneumonia in children less than one year of age. And this leads to 2.1 million outpatient visits as well as 58,000 to 80,000 hospitalizations per year. And it also leads to 100 to 300 deaths among children less than five annually. So I'm sure that this is something that our pediatrician colleagues see a lot of, especially in RSV season, which we're about to head into. 
Um, and we also know that specifically, you know, those that are at risk for severe disease are, are patients like premature infants and infants less than six months of age, individuals with chronic heart or lung disease, those who are immunocompromised, and older adults, by, by which I mean those who are 65 and older. So I think, you know, we are obviously talking about RSV. This is not something that necessarily affects our patients while they're pregnant, but certainly can affect their um, infants. But why are we discussing RSV now, Nick? What's the, you know, what is bringing it to the forefront at this time? I think we're about to see a lot of patients start asking us about it due to a couple of recent developments. The first of these is an RSV vaccine, um, which is really exciting. The FDA recently approved the, I'm going to butch the pronunciation, the Abrivzo vaccine for RSV use in infants up to six months of age and in for older adults. So that's just brand spanking new as of July 2023. And even more recently, as of August 21st, 2023, the FDA approves the RSV vaccine in pregnant individuals to prevent RSV in infants. It's approved for use between 32 and 36 weeks gestation. Um, in order for those antibodies to be able to cross the placenta and provide protection to the infant for up to six months of age. Um, the CDC has not yet set recommendations about the vaccine, um, but we anticipate it will do so sometime around October of 2023, um, which is probably when you're listening to this podcast, frankly. Yeah. Um, this is a bivalent vaccine. Just for some facts, it's comprised of two recombinant RSV fusion surface glycoproteins, and it helps protect against RSV A and B strains. There are two randomized trials that provide the data for this intervention. The first took place in pregnant patients, actually. It was 3,682 patients who were at 24 to 36 weeks, they were given the vaccine, and another 3,697 patients received a placebo vaccine. There were fewer medically attended severe lower respiratory tract illnesses in infants within 90 days of birth than those that received the vaccine, offering an estimated efficacy of about 81.8%. And then the confidence interval on that ranging from 40.6% to 96.3%. So really remarkable efficacy um, for a vaccine, particularly within those first 90 days after birth. There are also fewer medically attended severe lower respiratory tract illnesses within 180 days after birth, providing evidence of efficacy of close to 70% out to that six-month mark. There are similar adverse events in both groups. However, in Safety studies overall, the low birth weight in jaundice in infants occurred in a higher rate in the vaccine group compared to placebo. There was also an imbalance of preterm births in the two groups, with the vaccine group having about a 5.7 rate versus the placebo group a 4.7 rate. Um, but the data is currently insufficient to really establish a causal relationship with the vaccine. So at this point, the current recommendation is to give after 32 weeks out an abundance of caution, basically, with respect to that preterm birth data, as that's still being sorted out. Now, in older adults, there was also a randomized trial of 18,000 adults at 60 years of age or older who were given the vaccine, and then another 18,000 who were given a placebo. And just to summarize this quickly, significantly fewer RSV-associated lower respiratory tract infections with two signs or symptoms occurred in the vaccine groups compared to the placebo group, making an efficacy of about 66.7%. Um, and then there were significantly fewer RSV infections with three signs or 
major symptoms in the vaccine group, so more severe disease in this case, 85.7% efficacy for preventing that more severe disease. There was higher rates of local reaction with the vaccine, 12% in the vaccine group versus 7% in the placebo group, as you might expect with multiple other vaccines as well. And there were similar rates of adverse events through about one month after injection in both groups. The FDA is currently requiring the company to conduct post-marketing studies to assess the risk of preterm birth and preeclampsia with respect to those pregnant patients. Um, but again, pregnant patients and older adults are kind of the two targeted groups based on these randomized trials. And honestly, I think it's really exciting to see a randomized trial thinking about future health of a neonate taking place in pregnant women, a placebo randomized trial thing. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't see that a, a lot right, right now. Yeah. Additionally, though, there is another exciting development on the pediatric side, right? Yes. So this is the RSV monoclonal antibody. So the FDA has approved the use of, and again, I'm going to butcher this name, nircevimab. Uh, the trade name is Bayfortis. And this is a long-acting monoclonal antibody for use to prevent lower respiratory tract disease due to RSV in infants and young children. And this was approved in July of, of 2023. The recommendations currently for nircevimab is that all neonates and infants born during or entering their first RSV season at less than eight months of age may receive this antibody for prevention. And also children up to 24 months of age who remain vulnerable to severe RSV disease um, through their second RSV season can also get this. And this includes children who, for who, for example, are immunocompromised. This is administered as a single IM injection. And the data behind this monoclonal antibody actually comes from three clinical trials. So in one trial, um, the, this was done on preterm infants, and they were born between 29 to 35 weeks gestation. Um, almost 1,000 received a single dose of nircivimab, and about 480 received the placebo. And they found that those who received the monoclonal antibody, 2.6% experienced medically attended RSV, lower respiratory tract infections, compared to 9.5% of those who received the placebo. And so this was a risk reduction of 70%. And then in another trial of infants who were born at greater than 35 weeks gestation, so these were infants who were term or you know very late preterm, almost 1,000 again received the monoclonal antibody and almost 500 received the placebo. And in this case, um, again, the antibody group had a, the monoclonal antibody group had a 1.2% medically attended RSV lower respiratory tract infection rate compared to 5% of the infants who received the placebo. And this was a risk reduction by 75%. So again, pretty good. The final trial that was done was actually a randomized, double-blind, active controlled multi-centered trial to prove safety. And they looked at the difference between nircivimab versus palavizumab. And again, I'm probably butchering both of these monoclonal antibody names. So palavizumab is actually another monoclonal antibody. And it was used before to decrease severe disease caused by RSV. However, this specific antibody was only used in those children at high risk for RSV, including premature infants, less than 35 weeks of gestation who are less than six months of age, children less than two years of age who require treatment for bronchopulmonary dysplasia, and children less than two years of age who have hemodynamically significant congenital heart disease. So this antibody that we have 
Currently, palivizumab is one that's more restricted than the current recommendations for Bayfortis. So in this specific study, they uh, showed that Bayfortis was essentially non-inferior in terms of safety compared to this older medication. So I think, you know, with some of these new innovations, Nick, with these two things that are coming out this fall, potentially, there are some lingering questions, right? So what are some of these things that, you know, we need to continue thinking about? Yeah, well, I think obviously the first is when will we be able to see these things and when we'll be able to counsel and use them. Um, the monoclonal antibody should be available this fall per the FDA. So kind of, again, going into this very first season of RSV um, this fall, we should hopefully be able to take advantage of it, or the pediatricians, I should say, should be able to take advantage of it. Um, vaccines should also start to become available at doctor's offices and at pharmacies if the CDC approves the vaccine akin to the FDA, um, kind of in October time period, as we mentioned before. When you're thinking about the monoclonal antibody, again, you're thinking that this is going to be available probably in pediatricians' offices and in hospitals for after delivery. And so it will probably be something that will become part of the newborn counseling from the pediatric side. So depending on your involvement with that after delivery, you might be talking to your patients about it as well. The other piece, Faye, that is really interesting to think about just as, you know, societal responsibility, I guess, is exactly yeah. the cost of these things. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the big things that we always think about with monoclonal antibodies is that these types of medications tend to be expensive compared to some of our other types of medicines. And per the American Academy of Pediatrics, one dose of Bayfortis is $495 for both the 50 milligram and the 100 milligram doses. So almost $500 per dose. Um, and per Pfizer, the RSV vaccine of Brisvo will likely cost somewhere between $180 to $270. So cheap than, you know, Bayfortis, certainly. And that does make sense. Usually vaccines are cheaper than monoclonal antibodies. But for reference, the pediatric influenza vaccine costs somewhere between $14 to $30. So certainly this is, you know, on another scale of being expensive um, compared to some of the other vaccines that we give. And so I think going forward, it might be prudent to kind of look at, you know, what are the societal benefits, obviously, of having these vaccines and the monoclonal antibody, but also what are the costs and are we actually reducing costs by reducing hospitalization over the long run? All right, Nick, I think that brings us to the end of this espresso episode. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Kriogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed the podcast today, head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media on Twitter at Kriags River Cough One, on Facebook and Instagram at Kriags River Coffee. And if you want to donate to the show, go ahead and go onto our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash River Coffee. We have show notes for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes and that Rosh Review Question of the Week on our website, KriagsRiverCoffee.com. And if you have corrections for us, suggestions for the show, or just want to say hi, go ahead and email us at KriagsRiverCoffee at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.